Broadcasting from a remote corner of the front office of Grave Diggers Local 16, it's Six Foot Plus, the podcast of music and more for those who like it spooky. and gentlemen, children of all ages, for the thousand in attendance and the millions listening across the world, are you ready for this episode of Six Foot Plus? Yes, thank you for hitting the download button on this, the podcast that spotlights the horror genres of music such as psychobilly, horror punk, demented surf, and everything else that might be considered weird, strange, or just plain odd. In addition to the music, we have bad monster jokes, movie discussions, and a little bit of everything. Episodes can be found Fridays over at sixfootplus.com, on iTunes, and wherever else you can download podcasts. Subscribe so you don't miss an episode, but if you want a reminder, sign up for the Six Foot Plus Dispatch, a weekly notice that comes directly to your inbox. And if you want to show your support, leave a rating, write a review, and recommend this show to all your creepy friends. If you want to connect with us, it's facebook.com slash sixfootplus, at sixfootpluspodcast on Instagram, and on Twitter, it's at sixfootplus. I'm one half of the Mid-Atlantic Junior Heavyweight Intercontinental Tag Team Champions, the Masked Desperado, banned by 13 athletic commissions, the Fifth Horseman, one of the forgotten villanos, hailing from parts unknown, Strange Jason, hello. So yeah, this time around, the theme of the music is centered on the American folk art that is known as professional wrestling. Now, now, wait, 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 wait. Don't, don't turn this show off if you're not a pro wrestling fan. There's plenty of good music on this program, and, and you might just learn something about the overlap of how horror involved itself in the squared circle. Give it a try, and you might be surprised. Or you might hate it. 
but at least you could feel like you gave it a chance. Moral superiority. We've got music by The Secretions, The Limit Club, Southern Culture on the Skids, Lightning Beat Man, and more. Plus, we have Monster Matt Patterson booked in a Texas Tornado, No Holds Barred match against Good Taste. <laughs> That'll be found in another round of the Monster Matt Minute. The Novas and their classic song, Do the Crusher, opened up the show, song that was famously covered by The Cramps. Hopefully, you can do the Crusher with your own tag team partner. Everybody's doing it. So before we go any further, dear listener, let's have a talk. Yeah, I know. Pro wrestling. Pro wrestling? What are you thinking, Jason? Hey, I'm, I'm not here to convince you that wrestling isn't dorky. It is. It can be horrible. It could be the worst. But it could also be pretty great. <laughs> uh, most of the time, it can be entertaining. Entertaining as hell. That's if you know what you're looking for and you know what you're watching. Pro wrestling in this modern day is the strange combination of circus acrobatics and interactive community theater. And there's many different types. It's not all just the WWE. If we were to strip back the glitz, the glam, the Hulk Hogan's, the Steve Austin's, and go back to its origin, we'd find that pro wrestling came from the fringes of the sideshow circuit, born on the same floors and under the same tents that would give us the inspiration for Todd Browning's Freaks, and all that creepy sideshow entertainment that we commonly associate with places like Coney Island. Understanding that, it makes sense that pro wrestling, with its history born under the circus tent, would have an underlining appeal to weirdos like myself. But those weirdos, myself included, are weird. You kind of have to be weird to be into pro wrestling, this kind of strange, odd form of entertainment. Pro wrestling fans, they are an odd bunch. I mean, this is alternative theater that used to be thought of as real. It's as if people were going to the movie theaters thought that the serials of Commander Cody or the Phantom Creeps or the Crimson Skull, those were real people on stage, you know, being projected, not actors. And even today, that kind of blending of theater and reality of fiction and what is really true that still is kind of prevalent throughout all of pro wrestling and that kind of gives it a bad stigma it's like you're trying to be lied to and your intelligence is being insulted and to be honest yeah we fans were weird i've met some fans at wrestling shows who were clearly unusual but i've met comic book fans who were just as off kilter and there are horror fans and sci-fi fanatics who make you raise an eyebrow. These are fringe subcultures, and so they attract the fringe-minded folk, with a lot of them overlapping with each other. Pro wrestling nerds are horror fans, horror fans are sci-fi fans. So these are all people who hang out on the fringe, but if you're listening to this podcast, chances are that you're out here on the fringe with me as well, aren't you? Yeah, you are. But if you're not into pro wrestling, hey, you know, that's fine. I'm not here to convince you. You've already made your mind up, but if you're here to give it a chance, then welcome. If you have no desire whatsoever, then fine. Hey, we'll be back next week with an all new episode and hopefully I'll see you then. For those of you who are still with us, let's get this show going. Here now, Zombina and the Skeletones. Oh, before we go, let me make mention White Blackula the band that's comprised of members of Zombina and the Skeletones, they released their first full-length album. You can find it on Bandcamp. Go, pay for what you want for it, download it, give it a listen, it is excellent. But here now, Zombina and the Skeletones, King of the Ring.
friend what's the difference between you and a corpse style and let me tell you the dead have a leg up on you because they've been using the power of voodoo 
That's right. They've been going to VoodooSugar.com. Over there, they've got pins, bags, teas, stuff for the kids, stuff for the crypt. Why? They're the coolest stiffs around. Are you going to let that cadaver make a kook out of you? Well, fear not. Voodoo Sugar is for the living, too. VoodooSugar.com. Cool swag for the living and living dead. Hi, this is Bola Raymond Oluguala. Not just the Axeman, but the Canadian Heavyweight Champion. And you're listening to Six Foot Plus. that shares its name, sorta, with Terry Funk, an ornery Texan who gained fame both here in the US and over in Japan as being a rough and tumble wrestler who would later be considered a forefather of the hardcore wrestling style. Wrestling that can be found in places like Combat Zone Wrestling, 
As an adolescent, hardcore wrestling had its appeal, but nowadays it's not my cup of tea. For some people, it's the bee's knees. And as said earlier, there are different types of wrestling for all different types of fans. We also heard Maimed for the Masses by Nightbirds off of Born to Die in Suburbia. The song was written about another purveyor of the quote-unquote hardcore style and a compatriot to Terry Funk, a man named Mick Foley. Mick is known for playing the characters of Cactus Jack, Mankind, and Dude Love. He was also famously thrown 22 feet off a steel cage in 1998. I picked up a copy of Mick Foley's autobiography, Have a Nice Day, when it came out, and it bucked the stereotype that pro wrestlers are over-muscled meatheads, as it was well-written and captivating as a story. It began the trend of current and former wrestlers detailing their lives on the road, offering a different perspective of the men and women who get beaten up nightly for the audience's entertainment. Have a Nice Day came out near the time when pro wrestling peaked as a mainstream pop culture entity. It is definitely not as popular as it used to be. The then WWF, now WWE, what is considered the biggest company in the States and possibly the world, was in the news this week when the company's stock nosedived. The company's new television deal wasn't as lucrative as the investors were hoping for, and the WWE's new internet-only streaming network, the WWE Network, isn't getting fans to sign up at a fast enough pace. What made this news kind of amazing is that the owner, chairman, CEO, Vince McMahon, lost 30% of his fortune with the stock's decline. At the start of the week, he was valued at $1.1 billion. And in one day, he lost over $350 million. Insane. Yeah, he still has $700 million of personal wealth, but still, $350 million gone in 24 hours. Still, the WWE soldiers on. It's still popular and still profitable, but the shows aren't pulling in the ratings as they used to. Most of the audience during the boom of the 90s, well, like myself, we just got bored with it and moved on. My interests in pro wrestling, they wax and wane. They go around in cycles. And somewhere around 2008 or 2009, I kind of got back into it. I sort of sought out any of these independent wrestling companies who were putting on shows around where I was living at the time. I was clued into this company called Chikara, thanks to a post over at fourthletter.net. Gavik, a fan of the company, introduced me to this independent wrestling organization that seemed to let its fans in on the joke. Instead of trying to uphold the idea that the performers who went into the ring were real, they created this atmosphere that seemed to invite the fan to laugh along with the ridiculousness of pro wrestling. With characters like Los Ice Creams, the Super Smash Brothers, Sweet and Sour Larry Sweeney, Moscow the Wrestling Cow, Dragon Dragon, an actual dragon, Chikara emphasized fun over manliness and machismo. The athleticism was real, and it was pretty awesome. It was focused on Lucha Libre and some Japanese-style wrestling. But when wrestlers like Chuck Taylor would, let's say, bring out an invisible hand grenade, 
it was okay for the audience to pretend along. Whereas in the 1980s, when the WWF had the same kind of exaggerated characters as Papa Shango and the Ultimate Warrior, well back then they expected you, the audience, to believe that it was real. That these were real people. Jakara sorta does things with a wink, saying, yeah, we're sending out a guy in a giant dragon costume to wrestle a dude with a huge eyeball for a head. So it's kind of okay to laugh. We know you know, and we're still going to have fun. Uh, last year, Chikara attempted a huge storyline where it seemed as if the company had been shut down. Whether or not this was successful depends on who you ask. A lot of fans were left confused. It was sort of like an alternative reality game and people just were kind of burnt out on it. But Chikara is coming back. This Sunday marks its return. Tickets have been sold out for months, but if you want to watch it on iPay-Per-View, you can go to ChikaraPro.com for all the details. Chikara is where I first saw a guy who has become my personal favorite professional wrestler, Ultramantis Black. Now some things to know about Ultramantis Black. He's an insect overlord, a devious mystic of the dark arts, and a committed vegan. <laughs> He also has full sleeve tattoos of Christmas imagery, snowmen, winter scenes, Santa Claus. But really, what, what really hooked me is his merchandise. It reflects his punk and metal background, emulating designs by Black Flag, the Crow Mags, Silvermount St. Zion, the Smiths, Jawbreaker, and more. I, I think the fact that I could wear his shirt out in public and not look the traditionally garish pro wrestling fan. Yeah, that endeared me to Ultramantis Black from the start. So thank you, Ultramantis. You have good taste. On top of that, Ultramantis Black has an EP coming out on Relapse Records. Yeah, the guy's metal. He embodies these weird subcultures that I like, and they all overlap very fluid and easily. Much like Dick Manitoba appeared in wrestling gear on the cover of the Dictators album, Ultramantis Black is a new representative of punk and metal crossing over with all the nerdity. I mean, heck, Ultramantis Black started off as Ultramantis, this guy who sort of emulated a common slash masked writer character. Of course, Ultramantis went evil. He became Ultramantis Black, and he started coming out to Cradle of Filth. It's a really great song, but what I find even cooler is that his very first entrance theme song was Manor Astro Man. So yeah, the guy's legit. <laughs> so here now, the first theme of Ultramantis, Mermaid Love by Manor Astro Man.
This is the song of Santo. By day, a famous wrestler. By night, a superhero. Protecting the world from the famous bad guys and chicks. Like the Aztec mummy man. On a cool, cool evening in a small white foreign sports car. You know, I talk about Santo. That's right, Santo. One more time, I'm talking about Santo. The man. The man. Viva! Night of the Comet, and you are listening to Six Foot Plus.
We had Viva Del Santo by Southern Culture on the Skids, specifically requested by the great and devious Ultramantis Black. And we also had a song by a shining wizardo about the man himself back when he led the Neo Solar Temple. So, so the world of horror has appeared within the squared circle in the past. When Michael Kirchner, a low-level performer of the then WWF, decided to go over to Japan, he reinvented himself by donning the guise of the character made famous in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Thus, Leatherface became a favorite wrestler in the land of the rising sun. He would soon be joined by a Canadian terror who would emulate Camp Crystal Lake's most famous son. Jason the Terrible would wrestle in trademark hockey mask 
even teaming up with Leatherface on a few occasions. As we probably understand, horror is an exaggeration of a human condition, specifically the emotion of fear. And wrestling, if you want to get deep about it, is also an exaggeration of conflict and drama. While a chair shot to a person's back is not an effective method of conflict resolution, it's perfectly normal within the world of professional wrestling, so characters like Jason and Leatherface seem suitable for representations within the ring. And sometimes it's not always just one way. Sometimes wrestlers end up in horror movies. Hardcore legend Madman Pondo starred alongside Robert England in 2001 Maniacs. And Kane. Yeah, the WWE's character, when he first debuted, completely took Michael Myers' shtick, emulating his mannerisms, you know, in particularly that trademark distinct head tilt. Kane would remain a silent, unstoppable character until different rewrites would remove, replace, then remove his mask again. Ah, sequels, what can you do? Kane himself would go on to star in an actual horror movie, See No Evil, from WWE Pictures. And there's a sequel coming out, and it's being directed by the Soska sisters. Huh. I also recall that WCW, World Championship Wrestling, back when it was still around, they tried to do a program with Chucky of the Child's Play series. It was supposed to portray Chucky as a real character, as a actual living possessed doll in a time when wrestling was taking itself way too seriously to allow such ludicrous ideas. Yeah, it was pretty embarrassing for everyone involved, much often like the Monster Mat Minute. Cool morning maniacs! <laughs> yes, that's right. It is I, your fiend, yours truly, Monster Map Patterson, the man of a thousand bad monster jokes handling all the way from Pennsylvania. Hey oh, and hey oh to you in the corner of the tomb. Maniacs, maniacs, let's get ready for some funny! Ho ho! All right. Can you smell what the Monster Man is cooking? <laughs> no, really, uh, can you smell it? It's quite tasty. All right, uh, what kind of wrestling match features the Manster against Dwayne and Belial from Basket Case? A tag team match. <laughs> you know, they used to call me the fabulous Moola. That was bad. And so is this one. I hear they're trying to bring Santo to the social media age by making him a figure four square leg lock app. <laughs> oh, yeah. Do you know what's going to happen now? I'm going to tell you another joke. <laughs> Here we go. What infamous wrestling manager did zombies always chase after? Bobby the Brain Heenan. <laughs> what manager did ghouls and cannibals like? Jimmy Hart. <laughs> What fictitious company once tried to sponsor Jim the Anvil Nineheart? Acme! <laughs> Woo! I know! Woo! Woo! Just like Ric Flair! Woo! 
I have no flair. <laughs> hey, come on, who said that? Uh, the Toxic Avenger borrows a move from Chief J. Strongbow when he delivers the Tromahawk Chop. <laughs> and finally, Maniacs, we've been all around the ring and we're bringing it home ready for the pin down. What do you get by crossing a Peter Straub novel and a wrestler with a giant exotic bird? Coco, beware! <laughs> All right, maniacs, I've given the overhead suplex and you are out cold because that's the way it is. Until next time, maniacs, Ouija board wishes and cadaver dreams. Bye-bye. This has been the Monster Matt Minute with Monster Matt Patterson. Congratulations, you survived. For more from the man of a thousand bad monster jokes, follow Monster Matt on Twitter at number one Monster Matt. That's the number one Monster Matt. Keep track of Monster Matt's conventions appearances, his artwork, and info on his new book, Ha Ha Horror, over at his website, Ha Ha Horror, found online at hahahorror.com. Secretions with Viva La Lucha Libre. The Secretions are actually in a wrestling match. Yeah, the whole band. It was a MySpace match. And at that time, the only people who were still on MySpace were creepy old men and bands. Thankfully, the Secretions are one and not the other. I'll leave you to decide which. And I hear that Danny Secretion often lets the infamous NorCal wrestler, El Flaco Loco, crash on his couch when he's in Sacramento. Lucha Libre is a bit more palatable for people who have no idea about pro wrestling. The Mexican variant values speed and acrobatics and has created such legends as El Santo, Blue Demon, Mil Mascaras, and many more. Being more of a wild flourish of athleticism than drama, it's basic in its storytelling but complex in its moves. Meaning, shit's fun to watch and you don't really have to get involved into the why and the where. The bad guys are clearly labeled Rudos, and the good guys, Technicos, are called such even before the match starts. It's all about the flips, the twirls, and putting on a show. And every show has an intermission. 
So we'll take an intermission from the grappling to talk about The Limit Club. Nick Ferradu and the band reached out to me to spread the news of their upcoming EP. Man, it's been a while since we've had The Limit Club on the program, and they're really pushing the envelope of Psychobilly. They're inventive and creative, so definitely seek out the EP The Wild Four when it's released. If you head on over to the Facebook page, we'll post the video for the song today, which will probably pop up on Twitter as well. Here now, the song When You Burn, You're Gonna Scream from The Limit Club. A cemetery. There the Necronomicon awaits.
songs you can get off a of band camp Ombre Lobo International Gonna Getcha and Mental Bait with Surfing with Azasoft Fun music, fun times So listener, got any plans for the summer? We're on the cusp of the season and a lot is picking up People go on tours, records come out There's a lot of new albums that have been coming out and next month we'll do our best to run down the plethora of releases that have come out in the year 2014 We'll also have some new content. 
hopefully some interviews, the return of Heather Buckley's obscurities, a lot of stuff to look forward to. But I also want to hear what you're going to be up to. So hit me up on Twitter at Six Foot Plus or on Facebook, facebook.com slash Six Foot Plus, and let me know. All right, more music. The next song is from the DeMarcos, celebrating those professional wrestlers who are nowadays known as enhancement talent, but in the past were simply called jobbers because they were out there to basically do their job to make the superstars look good. If you ever wondered why some wrestlers just never got a win and always ended up flat on their back, well, that's why. So this is the DeMarcos and the Job Squad.
Taking their names from the Macho Man to El Santo's Hulk Hogan, that was Blue Demons with Empire Santo. Both Blue Demon and El Santo were put into movies that pitted them against supernatural forces. And the same goes to Mil Mascaras and any other luchador that happened to be standing around. In Mexico, a luchador was sort of a superhero. So to see them fight against the Aztec mummy or vampire women or a village of werewolves was, well, it was expected. They also fought against crime and corruption. They were heroes. They were wrestlers. Here in the US, well, we got Hulk Hogan fighting against cable companies and No Holds Barred and Suburban Commando and Mr. Nanny. Yeah, I think we lost out on that one. If you want a greater investigation into the world of professional wrestling from the point of view of the actual performer, search out The Art of Wrestling. It's a podcast hosted by a wrestler by the name of Colt Cabana, who details the trials and tribulations of an independent wrestler. He has a weekly guest and has been able to talk to the stars before they became famous, and even some legends who are in the latter half of their career. In fact, this week it had its 200th episode. It was a clip show. It's a good sampler for any of you who are kind of curious as to what you expect if you were to go through the Art of Wrestling's archives. Before he became a reverend, the frontman and founder of the Monsters was Lightning Beatman, and he put on a one-man rock and roll wrestling show. He would later get a band together and release a couple of albums of wrestling rock and roll. So here now, Lightning Beatman and the Never Heardums with Apartment Wrestling Rock and Roll. She got long black hair, deep blue eyes, pretty as girl all in the world I'm talking about.
John Tottleman, co-creator of John Constantine, artist on Swamp Thing and Miracle Man, and you are listening to Six Foot Plus.
the mighty ions, and we want the belts. And go get your own belt, preferably one that holds up your pants. And after you're fashionably dressed, dear listener, come back here next week for another episode, because this one is over. Thank you for listening. I hope you've enjoyed yourself. Six Foot Plus will be back next Friday over at sixfootplus.com, on iTunes, and wherever else you can find a podcast. Don't forget to read Gravediggers Local 16 online at gravediggerslocal.com. And in the meantime, talk to me on Twitter at Six Foot Plus. That's the number six, F-T-P-L-U-S. Thanks for not tapping out. You made it to the end of this episode. Hate it? Love it? Let me know. Next week, we'll be back to normal or whatever passes for normal around here. And before we go, let's end on a high note with the ghastly ones. Los Hampiones del Justicio, featuring the holy trinity of Lucha Libre. In the meantime and in between time, that's it, dear listener. See you next week. Calling El Santo Blue Demon a male mascaras. Los Campeones del Justicio! <laughs>
Six Foot Plus, episode 106, Ultramantis Black versus The Allentown Mummy. This has been Six Foot Plus, a GEL 16 production. To support, subscribe, rate, review, and recommend Six Foot Plus. The theme song, Carpe Noctum, performed by the Madeira. Shivala, Yvonne. Urban Graveyard Lounge music, performed by Kava Khan. Mahalo. Monster Matt Patterson of the Monster Matt Minute can be found online at hahahorror.com. To find out about all the music you heard on this episode, as well as all past episodes, go to Six Foot Plus. That's the number six, F-T-P-L-U-S dot com.